Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode is one part of my hour-long NPR show heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, everything your dog wants you to know, as well as the Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the Foreman family-owned pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. I am delighted to welcome Aaron Hancock to the show. He made such a good documentary called Running Wild, The Cats of Cornwall. And it looks at the issue of TNR and community cats from every aspect, those for, those against, the law. Aaron, you did an amazing job. What what a hard job to try and look at the, the story of these cats. You're based in Toronto, but Cornwall is quite a distance from you, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a, it's a good it's a good five hour drive. Pretty Whoa. Well. Okay. Uh, so, the other side of the province. Lordy. So when you did you learn first about this issue when it went to court, the issue of whether people could or should be looking after community cats or whether the government should be helping? Did you learn about it from the legal point of view and then realize there was a bigger story? You know, I, I actually learned about um, the situation in Cornwall from the news. Um, the I have family that lives in, in that part of Ontario, and uh, they sent me the news. They thought I'd be interested in it. But at that time, it was getting a lot of press uh, that it was actually going national because the situation was so bad in that town. So um, that's how it got on my radar. Explain how – what do you mean by that bad? It wasn't really that there was 9 million cats. It was really – the people were at each other, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Neighbors were at each other. People were moving neighborhoods because of the cats. Um, there were cat hoarders everywhere. And uh, most notably, nothing was getting done about it, save for really a handful of people that were just doing it out of their own goodwill, which, which is really remarkable. And often the case with community cats, people do the TNR, they trap the cats, they take them to a vet who may or may not help with uh, uh, the t- doing the spay and neuter and then vaccinating them or microchipping them. So they're, it, it usually is. Those looking after community cats are usually doing it out of their own pocketbook and certainly out of a, a sense of, of the animal's need. Canada is a big country. We, we in America sort of think of America as one place, which is clearly not at all. And neither is Canada. Uh, it's many different provinces with very different histories and cultures, Toronto being yeah. one of the most, you know, urban and, and uh, 
whatever that means, just let's say urban. So what do you think the general feeling is in your province about community cats or even in Toronto? Are there uh, feral cats who are looked after by humans in the city? Yeah, I mean, Toronto is a huge metropolis, and uh, thankfully, we have a lot of support from the city to um, publicly fund TNR and and deal with the problem of feral cats. So we're very fortunate. It's also a city with, um, there's some economic issues, but generally, it's a fairly wealthy city. Right. Uh, Cornwall. Ontario is uh, at the easternmost tip of Ontario and, and bordering on um, upstate New York as well, right across the St. Lawrence River. And it was a former industrial hub and it has fallen on hard times. And there is absolutely no support, or there wasn't, I should say, any public support whatsoever. And what started as, you know, several isolated problems of cat hoarders and feral cats ballooned without any intervention, really. And... Um, that's why it was an interesting story, because you could kind of see uh, how bad things can get, uh, even in a small town. Right. And as you say, a small town, which so many industrial towns in the Northeast in America and and certainly in Canada, that used to have a thriving uh, sort of a, an engine for everyone to be employed and to feel uh, OK. Absolutely. And then the bottom fell out of their lives. But but it's yeah. interesting about the government helping with TNR. Now, I don't think the government in the United States, anywhere I've ever heard about, helps. We have wonderful shelters, some of which are municipal and, and get tax dollars. But it seems to be mostly volunteers in the U.S. So you in Toronto, the government funds this taking care of community <laughs> cats. That's kind of astoundingly yeah, yeah, enlightened. That. <laughs> yeah, there is, um, a, you know, a portion of, of the municipal taxes that go toward, um, you know, um, everything from, you know, collecting your garbage to actually um, uh, publicly funded TNR. Wow. Um, we're, we, are very, we are very lucky. It wasn't always this way. But uh, Toronto used to have a problem, you know, 20 years ago or so. And due to advocacy and, and a change at City Hall, there was a public initiative that started and really you do not see a lot of feral cats, even though, you know, our metro area is, you know, like 7 million people. You don't see right. a lot you of don't cats see everywhere. them, but they're there. They're actually being looked after in their colonies. Yeah. 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 There are colonies and colony caretakers and, and um, there are tons of uh, volunteers in Toronto, but the idea that um, there is a spreading or roaming uh, free roaming cat population in Toronto is just really not a reality right. like it is in, in Cornwall. I think what's really wonderful about your documentary, Running Wild, is that it really does look at it from all points of view. And you had people next door to, it's interesting you call them hoarders. They didn't really strike me as hoarders so much as, well, I don't know, um, misguided cat lovers. Because to my mind, hoarders is animals kept in an enclosure or kept, you, you know, uh, kind of confined and allowed to breed right. and then they're full of disease and then they're not properly looked after from the vet point of view or the nutrition point of view. Whereas the idea that there's free roaming cats who are not spayed and neutered doesn't, to my mind, sound like hoarding, but that is the way it was characterized in Cornwall, right? And there's a young woman in the film 
who's very touching, very endearing, who looks after the, the tiniest kittens. Did you view her as a hoarder as part of the problem? I mean, I know as a documentarian, you're, you're theoretically objective, but you're a human being. What did you think? Did you feel that she was part of those that don't really get it, that you, there's too many cats? Uh, no, personally, I don't, although um, I'm sure that point of view is out there. Um, I think you're talking about Melissa Alton, yes. and she a, a kitten rescue. So one of the things that she does is bring in orphaned kittens uh, around the city, or and some are they're brought to her. Now, she operates out of her basement, so she has limited capacity. But she is a no-kill um, uh, rescue. You know, so she'll rehabilitate these orphan kittens, bottle feed them, and try to get them adopted out as pets. So she will not, uh, she's definitely not a hoarder, and she doesn't try to um, rehabilitate them to put them outside. She right. will get them, uh, get them their shots and, and uh, get them adopted out to good homes to try and break the cycle of, 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 of feral cats. But there are hoarders in the city. They're, they're not really the focus of the film. No. I think we do briefly feature some people who are um, yeah, perhaps misguided and don't understand the, the, the extent of the problem that is citywide in Cornwall. They think that maybe by just uh, indiscriminately feeding as many cats as they right. want, they're nothing wrong. But uh, in, in fact, um, it's, it's not really helping the situation. Um, it's it's the a very educational film because that... That fact is true year around the world. I mean, you take islands in Greece that have many of them been, quote unquote, overrun with cats. And there's always yeah. either local people or often expats who come to, to visit and then wind up living there. And they and those people, the more enlightened ones, realize that just going around in your station wagon or on your bicycle and putting out food twice a day in various spots is only exacerbating the problem. And I think your film really shows that, that they're good-hearted and they think, oh, these poor starving cats. But every cat you feed is making that cat more ready to breed again and make another okay. half a dozen or dozen little starving, <laughs> sickly babies that then the Melissa's of the world have to try and save. I mean, it's, it's yeah, definitely precise. a cycle that has to be broken and it's not by feeding. Feeding is feeding yeah. if you've got a colony where they've all been trapped, neutered, and returned to an area. That's that makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And and in the film, um, there is one such character named Linda who uh, has a colony that she maintains, and you can see the interaction of fixed cats that have been TNR'd and 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 ones that haven't, and the kind of complicated dynamics in the colony that that exists so That's she, right. with support with support she is able to get some of these cats in her colony that she does feed responsibly tnr and then they're returned to her however um, no sooner does she do that that other free roaming cats that haven't been fixed come in and kind of start muscling their way in and i think what we tried to show in the film is that tnrs can be very effective but it can't be done in isolation. It has to be really widespread to That's hit a right. certain threshold. Otherwise, you're just kind of um, pushing a, you know, a mountain up a molehill. Yeah, or kicking the can down the road or any of those kind of uh, metaphors. I guess that you can't, it's an ongoing struggle until 
you kind of spay and neuter as many as as close to 100% of the cats as you can. I mean, that's sort of the that's end it. goal. The end goal isn't to just keep some. The babies who are already born, those, the bottle feeding, which is incredibly laborious, it's so much work. It's tremendous devotion. Oh, yeah. It's like every hour, you know, for weeks. Those cats are oh, yeah. the most adoptable because if they came from a feral bloodline, they're the most human-oriented. I mean, those are really great kitties to adopt. They're just all about people because they've – that that met, Melissa's been their mom since they were teensy. Yeah. So I guess yeah, that's, that's right. You know. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just I, you know I um, my wife and I just uh, uh, welcomed our first child uh, about nine days ago. Oh my God! And congratulations! A two-legged child, you. right? <laughs> A two-legged child. <laughs> that's right. We 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 ado- we adopted two kitties, uh, rescue kitties. But uh, this is our this is a child that um, my wife gave birth to and. We've been um, we've been you know going through the challenges of, of feeding and breastfeeding and bottle feeding and and all the cluster feeding and uh, you know our baby at, in the first week had to be fed every two hours so I am just imagining what it would be like to not sleep and be Melissa and feed yes. these cats every hour <laughs> yeah every hour and, and then uh, give them away. And work really hard to That's make it. sure they're going to a good home. It's extraordinary. The, the people who who have this devotion to the neonate kittens, the little newborn kittens, which will absolutely die unless they're looked after yeah. by humans, is extraordinary because it's one success story after another. And the payoff is completely unselfish because you don't get to live with oh, that cat and say, I remember you, you when you only weighed half an ounce, you know. You're just you got That's a whole it. new crop of them coming in. Well, and you also show the legal side in the movie, the legal side of what went on in the town hall or the justice system, yep. the local, local, local justice system. Did you think in the end that that was that that was the effective resolution of the problem of people not wanting cats next door to be defecating in their flower beds or screaming, you know, screaming and chasing each other, which is what cats do when they aren't spayed and neutered? Do you think that the legal there was a legal remedy? Yeah, you know, I think feral cats are um, a, a problem of, of human creation. Yes. And so for us to find a solution, it, there will be no silver bullet. We have to come at it from a multi-pronged approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube now that we have <laughs> cats and yeah, <laughs> and have cats beware. Um, you know, and, and cats are not fully domesticated certainly not to the extent that that dogs are they're really about halfway there so we've got this great loving pet in our in our living rooms that the minute they step outside they are technically an invasive species and create all kinds of havoc um, both to our ecosystems as well as disrupting people's ways ways of life that's right Um, and i think that's no so um it's not as simple as just keeping your cats inside, especially if your cat it loves being outside because they're just going to sit at the door and meow all day long. And then, you know, who knows what else they'll, they'll do in your own That's home. Right. Maybe they'll start sure. defecating it. So it's about a, a, a potpourri of solutions. And I think that having bylaws is important and um, discouraging um irresponsible pet ownership is really important. That's part of it. So I'm, I'm pleased that the city of Cornwall 
which previously had zero bylaws uh, pertaining to cats, um, started implementing some. Cats, you know, dogs are traditionally, dogs used to roam freely. Sure, right, they did. Communities. Everywhere. Until, mm-hmm. <laughs> until it became a problem and they were, you know, getting, in, getting into other people's gardens and, and chasing animals and defecating right. on the neighbor's lawn. Yep. And then bylaws came into play. And cats, for all the reasons we've already stated, are still viewed as these wonderful, exotic, um, wild creatures that also just happen to uh, tolerate humans to a certain extent. <laughs> uh, but because they, if we own them, we need to be responsible for them. So if they go outside, they need to be, they should be supervised. That's right. Or given stimulation that doesn't allow them just to roam freely and and or mate freely, because that's really um, that, that opens up a whole can of worms. I think supervision is a great word. And if the community were a wealthy one, everyone could be encouraged to put a catio on the back of their house. And if they wanted their cat to have some outdoor time. But that's, you know, the problems of the 1%. Hmm, what kind of wood shall I use to build my catio? This is not realistic for, you know, your average person, whether it's economic or time or energy or even a place to put one. I think you've put it really well. And I think your film, Running Wild, the Cats of Cornwall is a, a really good look from all aspects of how community cats can run amok and how people can turn on each other, but then turn to each other to work out a solution. So I think it's a really, a really nice job, Aaron. And I hope you continue to make documentaries about animals in our lives and in our communities because you you clearly are a true documentarian. You show things from every point of view, which is rare. So thank you for your wonderful work on behalf of cats and the people who love them and the people who can't stand them next door. Both of We all owe you a gratitude for that. Well, I really appreciate that, and um, and uh, thank you for mentioning that uh, people that don't like cats might also appreciate the film because it's yes, true. Yes, so definitely. So yes, from all points of view. Thank you again. Thanks for listening. There are a few more very special companies that make this show possible, and I hope you will support their support of my mission to entertain and educate. Merrick Pet Care, which began as a family-run company in Texas 30 years ago, is still making natural pet food I feed my own dogs. They also provide nutrition to pet shelters in Chicago and Texas and free food for the service dogs for veterans from Canines for Warriors. Cradle, which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition and makes innovative foods like the hybrid dog food Wisdom, which sometimes is all that Maisie Hotchner will eat. Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this shorter version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.